going to read verse 1 through 4. Can you say amen when you've got the scripture? Amen. We need to have a sword drill, I think, brother. And sisters here in the front got it before you all, all the young people, so praise the Lord. <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> and in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his remnant of, a raiment of camel hair and a, gir, a leather girdle and his, uh, about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. The Lord bless the reading of his word. We, we can have our seats today. <laughs> I'd like to speak to us today on the spirit of Elijah and and, and, and as our thoughts begin to open up and as we begin to unpack a very large subject where we truly will not get to all of it, we'll just merely touch the surface. But maybe the Lord would direct us in, in next times, the next paths, that we would speak about the spirit of Elijah. We understand from the scriptures as well, we understand from the prophet's message that that spirit of Elijah comes five times. We see that Elijah comes and Elisha, we see John the Baptist, we see now in Malachi 4, and we see uh, the, the two prophets coming at the end time, but I want to show you here today, if, if we could keep our minds just focused, that the spirit of Elijah that God has used has never departed from the people. We, we are still under that spirit of Elijah, that, that the word of God spoken through Elijah. And we're, a, we're an Elisha ministry. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. And I, I really want to focus and let us help us to understand that, that we are manifesting the word. We're manifesting the words that God has spoken through an Elijah ministry. Uh, we, we have the, the mantle of, of Elijah upon our shoulders and it, you know, it's, it's not just something that we're, you know, we're, we're saying with our mouths, but we're anointed in this hour Amen. under a ministry that is a bride's ministry, and we must fulfill that ministry. I, I want us to know that, that you know, we have, been, we have been filled, and we, are, we have got the life of God inside of us. Yes. You know, the woman at the well, I just want to stop at her for just a moment. When she met Jesus, and Jesus discerned her heart and told her of her sins and, and then told her that if you drink of this water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Amen. I want you to notice here that Jesus is telling a, a great secret that if you drink of his life, if you drink of his, his desire, his word, you will never thirst again. And we as a people of God that received the double portion or we have received the life of God, we have drank of the fountain of life. And we shall never thirst again. It's not like we travel and say, I'm so thirsty, or, or we use these words, oh God, I thirst after you. Well, if you've drunk after, of his water, you shall never thirst again. But what builds inside of you is not the thirst to thirst again, but it's the zeal of God within inside of you that says, Lord, what can I do? What, how can I satisfy you? Amen. You see, the prophet preached a whole message on, on I thirst. And it's not about us thirsting. It's about what can we do for our Lord Jesus Christ? What can we establish? And, and so we want to keep this in our thoughts as we are beginning to speak about the spirit of Elijah or the Elisha ministry in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. You know, I, I, we're just getting back from India. And I was at my dad's church, which is primarily Congolese. And so now I need some amens. Amen. 
give me a few service, services and I won't need so many amens. But you know what? Amen, I was spoiled for a few weeks, so I just need you to pull with me. Is that all right? All right, let's read from the message, uh, 1962 in Perseverance. Brother Branham says here, I, bl- I believe that we're showing, <coughs> we're showing the coming of the Lord right now. For a time for the power of God to rise again in the form of the prophet Elijah and send down here the straightening the people and bringing them that little group. This time, this hour, it's the time for us to get in line, time to get us ready for the physical coming of our Lord Jesus. We we have received a, a spiritual coming. We, we know from the Word of God, you know, and, 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 the, and the signs which were in heaven with the cloud, we recognize that we've had a spiritual coming. We've, we've had that, that mighty angel stand upon his feet upon the land and the sea with the rainbow above his head. And, and during that same time, we've seen a, a messenger, an earthly messenger, come and take the words from that mighty angel and begin to speak and proclaim the mysteries of God that they might be finished. But now we're walking, we're striving, we're moving in the power of this Word. And we must stay in line with that Word. We must have that Spirit of God moving, dwelling with inside of us, knowing that He's filled our lives. When we move, God moves. If you've got the life of God inside of you, when you move, God moves. When I moved to the right, God didn't stay there in the middle of the pulpit, but He's come along with me. So the life that's within inside of us, that life word that was spoken into us by the prophet of this day, friends, it's life that will cause us to live straight in the paths of God's holiness. In 1960, in the unchangeable God, Brother Branham was saying, when the forerunner John the Baptist came, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, why the Bible said all the high places will be brought down and all the low places would be lifted up and all these things would take place. The mountains will skip like little rams and the leaves would clap their hands. Why? They was expecting a a shaking of this man coming down on the corridors of heaven, all dressed in fine linen and crowns upon his head or something. What happened? God sent them an an old preacher down on the wilderness with a piece of sheepskin wrapped around, looked like a little fuzzy worm, his face all full of beard. Oh my, uh, was such a fellow as that eating locusts and wild honey. We don't want nothing to do with that. You know, the people thought that was way too plain. The people, you know, the the Word of God had been spoken to Zacharias telling him that, that there would be a forerunner. They should have seen it very clearly. But they didn't just want somebody pulled out of the wilderness. They didn't want somebody common. They wanted somebody that would fall out of the corners of heaven. They wanted to see somebody, you know, as Elijah the prophet went up in chariots of fire and knew that he would return to forerun. They were looking for chariots to bring them back down, but they missed their visitation. Aren't you glad today we never missed the visitation? Aren't you glad today that your faith has has risen up, that when you heard the word, you received it gladly, you received it with your heart? Many of us were never in the prophets' meetings. Many of us never seen the signs of wonders. But when the word of God under the anointing of Elijah came unto us and began to speak what happened, we received it in our hearts gladly, for we recognized it was from God. Amen. We recognized some things, some patterns. We recognized the spirit of Elijah and how it was opening and fulfilling what God's promise was to reintroduce Jesus Christ to this day and age. Now, as I'm speaking to you, friends, I don't want you just to think for a moment that I'm introducing you once again to the Elijah ministry. We have been in this message a very long time. 
And we are all believers sitting here today, and we know that God has sent a prophet, an Elijah prophet in this hour. But I want us to recognize our position in the picture of God. I want you to see yourself in that, in that grand scheme of a picture that God has before us, that you can see where your life is and yours, your ministry and how you can overcome Amen. under the anointing of this word for today. Amen. We have to receive the way, it the way God has presented his word to us. Now verse 4, four would say... And, and I just want to look here in verse 4 of our, of our, our scriptures. Uh, it would say the, the same John. And we begin to notice that in the Bible, the Bible begins to draw parallels. And, and it begins to attach John to the, the prophet Elijah. And we, we need to see the characteristics of the prophet Elijah in order to see what God is fulfilling all down through the ages to see where we fit inside of the picture. And so we remember that the angel came to Zechariah and, and an angel, that spirit would, uh, would, uh, spoke and said that spirit of Elijah would come upon John, that very same one. Who was that same spirit? Well, it would be this one that would have this raiment of camel's hair. And he would have a, a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat would be a locust and it would be of honey. Now it's very interesting how the Bible gives these details about raiments and belts. Uh, you know, the Bible's very specific on what details it lets out. You know, when we hear first of Elijah, the Tishbite, we don't know anything about him. But what we do find out about him, the scripture begins to talk about how that he was kind of like a wild man. He had, these, had this raiment above him, about him, and, and that raiment would become part of Elisha ministry. And so the Bible begins to set out details about raiments and belts, and which was girt on his loins. And, and it gives his daily diet. Now, his daily diet wasn't just to gross out the reader. I mean, who would think, okay, I can deal with the honey. But you know something, what about the locusts? Uh, you know, when I think about locusts and bugs, you know, I, it kind of begins to turn my innards. We were at, in Mexico, Brother John, one time, and, you know, they sell all kinds of dried crickets. I think, in fact, at the stadium in Seattle, you can buy dry salted crickets. And, you know, Sister Ariana, my daughter and I, we were walking there in Mexico, and they had all these dried bugs, and I, I got curious, you know, and I thought, what, what would these <coughs> bugs taste like? So, you know something, I went up to that lady and <clears throat> I said, you know, I've never tried bugs before. Maybe you could give me one. And she smiled real big and gave it to me for free. <laughs> Sister Shannon, I'm so glad that I never paid for that bug. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. Oh. But here in the scriptures, we see the scriptures laying out very plainly the daily diet of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist has written, you know, he was the miracle son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You know, you know, the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Ghost. But here in the Scripture, this is the one place the Scripture says, and a man was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's wombs. And Je Jesus would also say there was, there was never a prophet like John the Baptist. In the seventh church age, in the Pergamos church age, Brother Branham would say, remember now, John the Baptist was both the prophet and messenger of his day. He was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And when he was, baptized, uh, was baptizing in Jordan, the word of God, Jesus, came to him. The word always comes to the truly spirit-filled. You know... There's some of us that were raised up in denominational system. Some of us came out of Methodist or Presbyterian or out of Pentecost. Or, but you know, the evidence that God has moved in your life is that a spirit-filled person will receive the word when it comes by their pathway. That can give you confidence tonight. That can give you joy in your being because the word always comes to a truly spirit-filled. That is the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. 
That is what Jesus said would be the evidence. So Zechariah, John's father, he was a priest. So, so John by tradition, I'm just giving you a little thoughts about John for just a few moments. John by tradition was also to become a priest. But John, you know, he wanders at the death of his parents. He wanders out in, of the, in, into the desert. And, 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 and you know, he, he goes up there for some time and, and he begins to, to hear the voice of God. He begins to be trained by God. And when he comes out of the desert, he's much different than any priest. Uh, when you go into the presence of God, and sometimes it's in a lonely place. Yeah, Paul the Apostle had to go, and for three years he went out there, away from all the traditions, all from the noise, and he got in consecration with God, and the, the Word of God began to open unto him. The prophet of our age, Brother Branham, he had to get away. He often went hunting and he often went to that, that cave place where he could find some solitude away from the noise that he could get a, that word that needed to come from Almighty God. It would do us real good sometime to get away from all the noise. All the hustle and the bustle. All the spirits and the atmosphere of this air. Everything that so bombards us. Get into a quiet place of God. So that you might walk differently. That you might talk differently. That your life would be more consecrated unto God. That you could become a king and priest before God. Isn't that what we are to be? We are to be kings and priests before God. But it takes us to get in a place of consecration before God that we might act and be different. The message in 62, have I not sent thee? Brother Branham said, instead of John going back to study the priesthood, he knew, John knew he was to announce the Messiah. John didn't, uh, didn't want to be all confused. So he waited out there until he heard from God. You want to have revelation from God? You, you got to wait upon God. He, he waited until he heard from God. And God told him what again of a sign of the Messiah would have. So John was acting upon the word of God. So in our Bibles that we read, the gospel writers, they go out of their way to be describing John's unusual behavior. Uh, most of us wouldn't want to hang around John the Baptist too much. John the Baptist would be uh, a troublemaker. John the Baptist would speak against sin. John the Baptist wouldn't fit very good in Laodicea. John the Baptist would wag his finger. It's not rightful for you. John the Baptist would get in the face of potentates and kings and popes and declare the word of God. John the Baptist under the spirit of Elijah wouldn't kiss the pope's ring you say, or kiss the pope's toe. I want you to see that there's something here that's stirring in our hour. We had an anointing just the same. It was unusual behavior and unusual clothing. And in this one rare occasion, they were beginning to mention the garments of, uh, of John the Baptist. So, I, you know, you get curious. You begin to look. And, and, you know, there's many things from Scripture that you can point to as Bible students. But let's just look at a few things where the, the, where the writers of Scripture or the, the inspiration that would follow the Gospels would talk about, about uh, uh, John the Baptist's clothing. And we... We want to look through their eyes uh, and see what a Jew would have saw at the time of John the Baptist. Sometimes you got to get in their shoes. Uh, we don't live in those traditions. We, we, we don't live in th those times. So if you can get your eyes, you know, with the understanding of how a learned Jew of the day would have looked at this situation. You see, for a Jew... If you begin to detail a behavior or their clothing, you will begin to see that it's linked to somebody else's behaviors. 
So John the Baptist was, was being linked by his behavior and his clothing to a specific, specific significant prophet of the time they were, they were living or the time they could understand. And who was that prophet? Well, it was the prophet Elijah because he wore that similar clothing. And it set him apart from everybody else. Well, we'll read it in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse uh, 8. It says here, they answered him. He wore a garment of hair cloth with a girdle of leather. Well, here comes John the Baptist walking out of the desert under an ministry, baptizing and preaching and crying out against the sin of the, of the age and the traditions, you whited walls, you vipers. And he's wearing the same clothing as Elijah did. Well, as a Jew, you would begin to put things together. We, we begin to say, oh my, just like we did with Brother Branham. Just like we saw him cry out against Jezebel religion and he caught, you know, he wagged his finger at Kennedy and the, the Jezebel that was in the, sitting next to him in the office. And we begin to, we begin to look. And we, oh my, this is the same spirit. Well, pay attention. What is going on? And they said, he said, isn't this Elijah the Tishbite? Now, I want us to note that, that this camel hair, this clothing... As it was passed to Elijah, to, uh, from Elijah to Elisha, was not uh, really popular, and, and we'll get that into another subject. But that passing of that mantle was a, a double portion. It was it was a blessing. It was the firstborn's blessing as a double portion, and 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 so you know. They missed it. They, they, in the time of Elijah to Elisha, the school of the prophets also missed it. But now the, the Spirit of God is looking and saying, hey, there's a supernatural power that is behind this clothing. Yeah. Or this, uh, th th this example of clothing. So Elijah's coat. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. So Elijah's coat. I want you to notice being camel's hair, it re represented a supernatural power. It, it, it re resembled a ministry, the double portion. Now we as the bride on the Elisha ministry, we have this supernatural power in our lives. Well, we should have that. For uh, as we drank of him and we are not thirsting again, meaning that the life of God is in us, that means that God travels along with us. And what we say, it's what he said. We, we call it adoption. or we, we say it's the king's sword in our lives. Or, or However you want to place it, you, you recognize it's the supernatural power of God in our lives. And, uh, and so we recognize now that the Holy Spirit under the supernatural, you know, will, will, will work in us the same way it did in Jesus' life. It will work in the same way it did through other patriarchs or other men of Scripture. It will work the same way as it did in Brother Branham's ministry. It will work the same way in our lives. We need this, this clothing. We need this, this cloak of Elijah, this camel hair, which means or examples would mean of the supernatural power of God. Let me give you, for instance, uh, uh, in the message, also we could read it in the Bible in context, we, we see, uh, as Brother Brandon will be talking about the bride for Isaac, and, and we would see here his servant, the Holy Spirit, Eliezer, and it was in the cool of the evening when the beautiful Rebecca come out to water the camel, you know the story, and the beautiful Rebecca came out and he said, now, never, uh, who... Now, ever who waters this camel, he said, Lord, let it be the one you've chosen. Yeah, right. So Eliezer is looking for a bride for Isaac, but he, he, he needs the supernatural God to point out who this one is, this special one's going to be. And Rebekah went and watered the camel and gave him drink, and, and then he watered the animal. Look, the very animal that she was watering, the animal represented a beast, of course, a beast of burden, which means power. Now, now, I'm pointing this now to this camel hair. 
I'm pointing to this cloak, uh, this garment, and, and paralleling, giving some symbolism of, of a garment. Now, it's just a garment, but I want you to notice it represents something. And camels represent power, Brother Benham speaks to speak in the Bible. And, and the very animal that she was watering was the very animal that packed her to see her groom. This double portion in our lives that we receive, the Elijah mantle that falls to Elijah, that supernatural double portion in on Elijah when he smote the waters it opened, when he began to, to do the works unto God, it was the double portion. It was the, the representative of the cloak that he had upon his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> The works that I do shall ye do also, the Scripture says. Why? Because the life, the portion, the power, the cloak, the camel's hair rest upon the bride of Jesus Christ. And that is and that's what is watering, the very power that we're watering now with praises and thanksgiving and glory. And the power and the might is the very Holy Spirit that will pack us up to see Jesus someday. Amen. Let me simplify it for those that are getting a little confused. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, we're talking about things that excite us. Symbolism and parallels. But let's not get lost in the main thing, which is the main thing. It means the Holy Ghost inside of your life. Now, John the Baptist's ministry under the spirit of Elijah, what was it to do? And we'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, our portion today under the spirit of Elijah, we would see that the hearts of the children are turned back to the faith of the fathers. Lest they come and smite the... The land with the curse. We read that in Malachi 4, our favorite scripture, our part of our identification. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, once again, we see in those days John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he was calling out repentance. He was also crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That was John's ministry. John's message had a clear purpose. Repentance and preparation. He was... He was uncompromising, and it cost him his head. Yeah, that's right. You know, I've thought that a long time, lots of times. You know, I said, I thought, well, you know, he could have taken just a little different approach. You know, he could say, well, you know, it's not lawful for you to take, uh, you know, and, and, and he could have just said, well, and then turned away and walked away. But he, he got in the face of the potentate, came in the, and he shook, and he called, and he screamed, and he yelled, and he was a, an embarrassment. Why was it? Because something was churning with inside him. He couldn't stomach the situation. It was the spirit upon him that would cry out for repentance, making preparation for the one that he couldn't even tie his shoes, for the one that he would baptize in the river, he would baptize there to prepare the Lamb. It was a preparation for the Lamb of God to come who would take away the sins of the world. He brought his religious leaders to a place of gnashing their teeth. He would say to them, he said, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptisms, he said to them, O generation of vipers. Nobody liked to call, be called that. Can you imagine, you know, you think you're doing right? And a man stands up and he calls and calls you old vipers. You say, well, you've just got a, you got a negative spirit. No, he had a spirit of repent, repent, repent. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring therefore fruits of meat suitable for repentance. So we begin to see now. This ministry, this Elijah-like ministry in, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 10. We begin to see the disciples, now we're talking about Jesus, asking, saying, When then say the scribes that Elias must first come? Why, why do they say this? And, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. Well, you know somebody took a long 
time, all the way to our generation, for our eyes to be open to verse 11. It's the key to end time fulfillment. Jesus said unto them, Our eyes truly has first come to restore all things. They couldn't see it. All they could see was the ministry of Elijah up to the point of he shall turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. But they couldn't see the rest of the passage. They couldn't see the rest of their going because it had not been fulfilled to them until this hour. Do you see how precious it is? Do you see how precious you are? That God would show you that it's not just a preparation message for you, but it's a restoration message for you. This ministry has restored you. You have a a message that for run the the, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, a message that would speak uh, not just repentance and judgment, but it would speak grace unto you. It would take you from a low state and take you from a place and restore you. You would have grace come forth in your life. Mrs. Grace, Brother Adam would say, would come in your life. Now, if we would just move to this camel's hair for just a moment, I I want you to notice the camel's hair wasn't very soft. You know, Jesus contrasts the mission of John the Baptist with with soft garments and and of royalty. He he, he begins to see, and they went went their way, and Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to behold? A reed shaking the wind? Why then did you go out there to see a a man clothed in soft raiment? Like, what, what was the purpose? Why did you go? You see, the coarse garments of John, it just was, it, they were coarse and they were sp- of speaking of you need to repent. You, you need to have the spiritual God, move, uh, supernatural God, move in your life for repentance. The spirit of repentance is not always soft. Now, Brother Brandon brought a spirit of repentance as well. You know, and I, as you begin to read the message, and Brother Brown begins to deal with the, with the time and the season that he's, of the people he's preaching to, you know, sometimes he's really soft. He's got kid gloves. And other times he takes them off and begins to give the people a really good working over. And unfortunately, you know, you know a, a woman represents the church, and what's happening in the church is a reflection of what's happening outside. And when you see the women begin to act out the way they did and, and, and still are doing in immorality and in women's rights and their movements that they were going on, we can begin to see that begin to move in the church and, and, and the Pentecostal people that started out so good all of a sudden become to a place of backslidden condition and, and you begin to see the women begin to bob their head and hair and it showed that they were, they were cutting their connection with Almighty God and they begin to dress immorally in immoral clothes and begin to show that spirit of adultery that was in the church. So it wasn't a soft message always the prophet of God was speaking. The prophet under his ministry, because it remember still was the Elijah ministry coming out. He had to call these things, and that ministry is still calling out today. Many times we don't like to sit in our churches and hear the word of God spoken. We, we don't like the men of God to come out and drive down our alleys and talk of things that are pertinent to everyday life. We don't like to, the, the ministry to point out Laodicea that's creeping into the church. We don't like to see these perversion spirits that are out there that don't know which place they are or what side of the fence they are in their natural lives. But that spirit begins to wiggle its way in the church and people don't know who they are. But that spirit of Elijah is still calling out. The ministry of the word is still calling out and say, say, take this robe, take this double portion, take this, this mantle and place it upon yourself and begin live in the righteousness of God in your life. You know, there was a, a leather belt that was about his loins, the Bible says. 
And that level leather belt worn by John wasn't very priestly. You know, he was supposed to, by tradition, become a priest. And he goes into the wilderness at nine years old, and he comes out now as a, as a grown man, and he's got this, uh, this uh, raiment of camel's hair, and he's got this leather belt on, which is not at all according to his lineage. You see, a, a priest would wear a nice linen belt. It would be nicely around their waist. And, but a leather belt, it was most often worn by a Roman soldier. Yeah, the meaning of leather cord reflected judgment. It wasn't nice and he wasn't walking in, oh, shaking the baby, you know, people's hands and squishing the baby's cheeks and marrying and bearing and patting one another. No, there, there, there was a commission. And so this judgment that was going to come across. Now, we would give an illustration how leather in the Scriptures would show forth a a righteous judgment. And we would turn to John chapter 2. And I'm just going to read it from the NIV because it just makes it just a little bit easier to read. And and it says, "When, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts, they found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and and others sitting in the tables exchanging money. I want you to see it became something so much different than place of worship. People begin to mix their lives with their business. People, you know, they, they say, well, I want to worship. They give God half time. They give God their leftovers. They give God, but, but they just fill their lives with all this trading and all this money and everything in their life. It's all going to perish. Why do we strive so hard for what the rich young ruler lost his inheritance for? It just boggles my mind how that we will work ourselves to death trying to fill our bank accounts full of money so that when we die, you can give it to your children to waste and plunder. You think, well, i got to give something to my kids when I leave this earth. Well, at the coming of the Lord, all your money is going to go to the Vatican anyhow. And you're busting yourself time and time again. And you're seeking after the things of unrighteousness rather than the things of God. And Jesus had to come here and see these people changing money, doing these things. And what does he do? He he doesn't make a whip out of linen. That wasn't very priestly. What he does is he goes over and he gets some leather. And he goes and he makes a whip out of cords and drove all of them, uh, drove all from the temple courts. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and turned over their tables. Oh God, turn over our tables tonight. There's no room. The Holy Ghost is speaking. There's no room in your being for all of this ungodly mammon and things you're placing in the way. Seek ye first, the scripture says, the kingdom of God. And then everything else will be added unto you. Seek what God's divine way is for your life first. You know, I was someplace here just a moment, some time ago, and, and I was preaching to them. And I want you to recognize that, you know, people are people, are people everywhere. And people will skip church to... Earn another buck. You know, we want to teach our young people. Our young people are, are, are the new generation. And so, you know, the first generation, what we call message believers. You know, you would say, like my father who, you know, was in Brother Branham's ministries, or Brother Ken, and different ones that were in. When, when we received the message... In our hearts was we were not going to miss one service. And in fact, we hear testimonies. If we were going to go on vacation, we would find some place to go to church. We would, we would go, even if it was a place where they didn't they, in the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus the same way. But Brother Ram said, go and spit the cherry out. 
But we would want to be in the house of God. We would want to be under that anointing. We would want to be under the word. And so we as young people, we we were trained that way. Our full desire was to be in service for God. And as soon as there would be meetings, we would be in the meetings. If If it would be celebration meetings, we would cancel our vacation to be at the celebration meetings. You say, Brother Steve, that's so fanatical. No, our hearts were, we wanted to be in the presence of God. And the rest of it didn't matter. Now, I've been on a cruise trip before, and there's a lot of good, oh my goodness, fill your palate. But none of that is any good in making your final destination. (laughs) Sorry, I got the leather out just for a moment. I just want to tell us straight up. When we, meet, when we miss coming into the presence of God, we could be missing a, a, a very special appointment. You never know when God is going to come and it's going to be your opportunity. But because you say, I'm just tired from work, or I've got a backache, or I've got a cough, or i got excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil will supply them from church. You'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them excuses. And we find ourselves making excuses. And we find ourselves getting caught up with buying a piece of land without even looking at it. We find ourselves getting married and doing all those kinds. I mean, we're not talking about against marriage, but there's the pr- principle behind it. Instead of meeting our appointment with God. Can you imagine if the Lord Jesus, just hypothetically speaking, would show up to bless you and you didn't decide to come? Maybe he wanted to speak to you. <laughs> Maybe he had something real good for you to have. And you didn't decide to come? Well, our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus didn't like the situation that was happening in the, in the house of God. And he would say this, get out of here. Stop turning the, 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 my, my father's house into a market. <laughs> the, the disciples remembered. That was written, the zeal of the house will consume me. There was a... a there was a, a, a zeal there. There was a righteous indignation that was built in Jesus' heart to look at this situation and said, this is not how it's going to be. And the leather came off. And he began to spank them with the leather. At Canish Barnea, the message here, Brother Brandon, would say, like John the Baptist, when he come out of the wilderness of Judea, he wasn't dressed very well. He had a piece of sheep skin around him and with leather girdle or cloth of camel's hair wrapped around him. And he come out preaching repentance. And when, he, and when Herod took his brother Philip's wife and had married her to come over to that meeting, I can imagine the deacon saying, don't you preach on marriage and divorce tonight because there will be a, a, a great man amongst us tonight. Don't do nothing like that. Walked right straight out and stuck his finger under his nose and said, it's not lawful for you to have her. And that was the way it cost him his head. You know, under this spirit of Elijah, Elisha is bold. The bride is bold. And I, I really think that God wants to have some people that are not hothouse plants. That when the word of God has spoke to them, they get all upset and pouty and they go home and they think about it and they stew and then they write emails to the pastor. I don't think it was right that you treated us that way. Where are the plants that are of the original seed? <laughs> Where are the people of God that strike their breasts and say, Lord, I thank you for the word. I apply it to my life. 
You see, sometimes we're up on the mountains and we go shouting from the building. And other times we go back with that feeling of repentance in our heart. But we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whatever you have for me, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, John's clothing may have seemed odd. But, you know, to some it was crazy and odd and a weirdo coming out of the out of the uh, wilderness, but to others it made perfect sense. And to you and I, it makes perfect sense. It was the voice of the Spirit and it was anointing that was coming out. It was by revelation that we could receive this message that was spoken to us in this day. That we could receive the diet of John. Receive the diet of the Holy Ghost in our life. Now, we're going to spend just a moment on a, a little bit of this diet that John had. And the, it was both honey and locusts. And, bro, you know, these, these brought natural strength to the nourishment of John. But I want us to look at the spiritual significance of these meanings. Now, honey, we always like to talk about honey. So let's talk about honey for a while. We, we were pretty strong there for a moment. But, you know, whenever there's, whenever there's pain and suffering, whenever there's trouble... God always comes with some honey. Aren't we, aren't we sheep? Right? We were praying in the back, and I, I, I just about shouted, you know. I should have shouted maybe in the back. You know, I was like that woman, Brother Branham. Yeah, I came to Brother Branham and said, oh, I could have shouted in the meeting. He said, why didn't you? But Brother John was praying in the back with us there, and he said, oh, Lord, you know, and he began to pray unto the Lord. Sometimes his correction is this, and I was like, oh, my, he, he's really getting into my sermon now. And then he said, but Lord, you always take a little bit of honey and you put it on the rock. I said, praise God. I'm going to preach about that too. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because there's honey on the rock. If we're sick, if we're having troubles, if we've got a little bit of a spanking, no problem. Get licking on the honey. That old good shepherd, what does he do? He goes in his script bag and he puts out the honey and places it upon that limestone. Now that sheep, all that sheep, all he can see is honey. He doesn't realize that limestone is really what's needed. That limestone represents Christ Jesus. He gets a licking on it. And before you know, when the belly's sick, all of a sudden it begins to settle every problem. Why? It's the limestone that he needed. But we like to have a little honey. How many likes a little honey? Everybody likes to have a little joy in their salvation. Well, I come to church not just to get beat up. I want to have some joy. (laughs) The pulpit's just not a whipping post with a Roman soldier. Underneath. underneath this all because uh, we, we can see that those locusts, those demon powers are coming against the people, trying to sting them in all kinds of places. I want you to notice that God's got a prophet that knows how to use these bone crushers Amen. to destroy the works of the enemy. Amen. Now, honey... Honey, oh God, give us some honey. Give us some revelation. Let's give us some healing. Give us some joy. So this was part of John's diet. But I I want you to notice it's mentioned in Scripture that it wasn't just any kind of honey. It was wild honey. For all of us that are organics people. Granolas. Keto. Is that right? Uh, but I want you to notice it's very specific in the scriptures that it was wild honey. Because it means that it's honey that is untouched by any man-made process. I don't want man to put things together for me and create a revelation for me. 
I want the original. I don't want human opinions. I, I don't want human joy. I don't want humans to sustain me. If somebody can talk me into it, I can be easily talked out of it. I don't want a tradition. I, I know, you know, sometimes we get stuck in a rut. And when you get stuck in a rut, it can leave you to death. But in our personal lives, there's ruts. And in the church, there's ruts. And we find ourselves coming in, and, and you know something that's really good? We come in, and, and then we sit down, and we listen to the music. We bow our heads, and, and we, we read a little bit, and, and then we sing a half an hour. That's, I mean, we just know that's what we're going to do. And, and then, you know, we're going to get up, and Brother John's going to preach Sunday morning, and most likely the service will be finished and done by quarter after one. We, we just kind of know. We even set our timers at home on our stoves. Right? So that the meat will be properly cooked when we get home. And, you know, we'll worship maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, and, you know, Brother Solomon will stand here and he'll sing and he will praise God until the last person leaves. And it, it becomes a, a, a tradition. You know, sometimes I think, well, when we start a little, you know, not quite at 1030, we start at, you know, 1035, the devil's like, whoa, what just happened here? Now, I'm not suggesting we do that, but I'm just giving you the idea. Sometimes we get out of our little spot and we're all shook up in the whole service. We're like, well, how in the world are we going to get through this? <laughs> some of you would all not have lasted in some foreign countries where they sing an hour, sometimes an hour, 15 minutes, waiting for the last soul to come to church because everybody's important. You would say to yourself, get it moving already because guess what? They're late and we're sick of waiting for them. No, no, there's an attitude behind every foot and every son of God, every family member needs to have their feet under the table. Some of you would die if Brother Andy called you and said, how come you're not in church tonight? You say, that, that's pretty forward. Other of us would be really stirred if Brother Andy or Brother Matt would come and give us a little shake because we're sleeping in church. What in the world do you need to touch me for? You know, we got our tradition. We've got our structure. This is what we do. This is how we go to church. But God says, I don't want your tradition. Okay, I, I, I want you to start the service, and then I want you to let me lead. Right? And if your oven shuts off at home, well, guess what? You'll just be eating some cold chicken. You know, it really doesn't matter. We need to allow God to lead us are we okay? Yes. We want God to lead us in our lives so that He can give us some revelation, can give us some honey, to give us some joy, to give us strengthening. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wild honey in our lives. You know, honey is mentioned throughout the Bible. In Exodus, honey is a reward in the promised land. We can read in Exodus 3.17. It says here, and He said, I will bring you up. Out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Presbyites and, and the Hiveites and the Zebusites into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It is a reward. I'm going to bring you through all of this mess. And once you get to the end of the mess, I'm going to reward you with some good joy. Wouldn't you all say I'd go through a pile of mess just to have some more joy? Amen. Wouldn't you say I'd go through, a, I'd climb the mountainside and do go through the valleys, go wherever it is, if God would just drop a little more revelation in my life? Wouldn't you extend yourself in that direction? Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. We want to have a reward of milk and honey flowing in our lives. Yes. We would read in, in Samuel, we would read the honey speaks of enlightenment, meaning revelation. We read it out of the Israelites were distressed that day because Saul had bound the people under an oath saying, Curse be to anyone who eats the food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. And all they of the land came to a wood and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people... We're come into the wood. Behold, the honey dro uh, drop, but no man put his hand to his mouth, but the people feared the oath. Yeah. 
don't, don't, don't. Don't you hear the devil saying, don't take it. It's not yours. But we see here, Jonathan heard not what his father charged the people with the oath. Therefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. Strength returned. They, they, they were dizzy. The, they, they, were, they were under the, under the bondage of, of, of the lack of strength because of their situation of war. And the devil just keeps on saying, you can't have it. Yeah, I give you oath, you can't have it. It's not for you. But you know something? There was a Jonathan that, you know, he put the plugs in his ears. I'm not going to listen to this. I want more of God. And begin to eat and his eyes were enlightened. Revelation was the salvation. It gave them strength to keep on battling. You want to keep strength in your life? Eat the honey. Eat what God has dropped down before you. No matter what the enemy says. Though Saul forbids them to eat, go and eat. Don't let the oppressive religious systems. <laughs> Don't let your friends, even folks that are unconverted in the message, that sit in message churches. Don't tell them, let them tell you that this Holy Ghost gospel is not for you or it's not the same as it ever was. You say nobody would ever say it. They say it with their attitudes. How do they say it with their attitudes? Well, you know, when it says the Lord is their healer, they're also too very quick to find the doctor to be their healer. Now, I know the doctors help, and I'm not against doctors. We go to the doctors. But they forget to ask Dr. Jesus before they go to the physical doctor. We, have, we are in a land of plenty. And most of us even can afford the copay. You have insurance, and you got some copay sometimes. Isn't that how it goes? And most of us can afford most of the copay. So it doesn't take us very long to run off to get natural help. But you know something, if that was all stripped from you, and you had none of those things, pretty soon you would have to take some faith in the Word of God. And you would run to the altar and say, Lord, I, I need this life to come out from me. Remember, it's in me. I need it to come out from me and heal the body. Amen. <coughs> Amen. I, I, want, I want you to tell you, friends, you, we need to start speak, speaking to our bodies. This is the word. I, I'm not making this up. If God is living on the inside of you, okay, that's God's very own life. Would you agree with me? Amen. Now this body, it, it sins and it's, it, 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 it's going to go in the grave. This, this body is, is not redeemed. The one on the inside is the, is the master. He is the Holy Spirit. So if you allow your words to form, which is the words of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe this? the words of the Holy Spirit to speak, then you can look in the mirror and you can say, body of Stephen Clark, or body of whoever you are, yes. you've got to hear the words of God. Yes. See, if we don't believe this, we've got to go back. And back to our experience. And really understand that the one we thirsted for has quenched our thirst. The one that we were hungry for has filled our hunger. And you have to grasp hold of who you are. We talk about adoption. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Look, I've got a ring upon my finger. But we're afraid to use the power of the word in our lives. To say diabetes or high blood pressure or whatever it might be. I, in the name of Jesus Christ, body, you've got to hear this word. Healing is the children's bread. Amen. Do we all believe that? Yes. It's our bread. Deliverance is our bread. Yes. But you got to believe it. Yes. 
you got to be willing to stand up against the enemy. With that same spirit that Elijah ministered, that spirit, and put your finger right in the face of the devil. And say, get behind me, Satan. Get back. Yep, that's right. you, you can't have my children, no. You know, I'm a, I'm a little bit burdened. You know, this world that we live in is so full of perversion. And, and all our young people have to go out there and swim with the sharks. They go to college. They have the teachers that don't know who they are and their gender and they're all mixed up. And they got these people that are sitting next to them in the class, and they don't know who they are. They, they're, they're a COVID bunch that came out, and they're just confused. They don't even know who they are anymore. And our young people are swimming right in the midst of them, just trying to get through life. If we don't equip them with the double portion, with the supernatural power of God, if we don't instruct them by the word of God, and we don't tell them how life should be and that homosexuality is of the devil, we don't go that direction, friends. Our little ones that we love with all our heart and we're trying to train them in the precepts of righteousness are going to get flack and get caught in nets that they're going to be bruised. So we need to be examples. That when we say that we've got the life of God inside us, that we actually do. Remember, our young people are not silly in the head. They're not stupid. Brother Brown would say they use that word. And they're watching you. They're watching me. And if we don't go to God first for our needs and our things, if we don't put that on our, our list of 911, that this is where we go to God, we fellowship with God, we go to God forever our needs. Well, you think we're going to train them? You, you ever watched a, a cat train a little kitten to get lunch? Or you find some other pe- uh, animals in the animal kingdom that treat their babes how to hunt? If we don't tr- train our children in the way they should go, let me tell you, they will depart. So we need to be an example. And we need to ask God for a little more honey. We'll get into this another time in another angle. But we need to ask God for more strength in our lives to live this gospel as adults so that it trickles down to our young people. Give us revelation and eyes to see, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, O God, that through the symbolism and the parallel and the different things I was excited to bring out, Lord, we wouldn't just get lost in all that, but Father, we would begin to see that we need the reality of Jesus in our lives. We need, oh God, this life that was spoken in this generation. Lord, we need this to come and consume us, Lord. Lord, I'm burdened that we have traveled and it's, it's part of us like a package of our, in our suitcase. We just have it with us. But Lord, as we're traveling, we're still just trying to bump to and fro on our own. And we're trying to make a go of it on our own. We have all the good quotes and we say amen because we do believe God sent a prophet. And when he says that we are, we are sons and daughters of God and we, we hear that we are adopted and we are elected, we hear all those things, we're predestinated, we shout amen. But Lord, when we get home, there's still a big question mark inside of our being. I can easily look at somebody else and say, wow, I, I see Christ in them. I see, oh, that Holy Spirit, the double portion. I see, I see them, Lord. They have the mantle of Elijah and Elisha. They got it in their life. I can see it, but Lord, then I look at my little measly self and my faults and my failures, and I get so bundled up and so discouraged. But that is the plan of the enemy to get me discouraged, get my brothers and sisters discouraged. Because when they're discouraged, they can't live that overcoming life. They can't, they can't. Oh, God, help us to look upon that honey tonight. 
Help us, oh God, to keep on licking till we get down to that limestone. That help and heal us, Lord. Heal our aching bellies, Lord. Give us overcoming power, I pray. Lord, in this building tonight, I pray, Lord, if the Word of God has touched us in some part of our lives, in the area in our lives, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we could say, Lord, come by my way. Created me a clean heart. Change me, O oh Lord. I let me be who I let me be who I say I am. And and if I don't have the goods in my life, I don't have the Holy Ghost in my life, I don't, let me not be ashamed. Let me, Lord, just surrender and call upon your name and say, Father, I need your life. We don't come here, Lord, to be a bunch of pretenders, hypocrites, Pharisees, Sadducees, pretending. No, Lord, we, we don't come here for that. We come here with a desire in our heart to, to live and have the real life of Christ live out from us. We're not just here to join a group. We could have joined a group somewhere else and had different entertainments and more projects and more programs and children ministries and soup supper ministries and we could have had an abundance of money flow because more people may come and there'd be more programs. Lord, we didn't come for those kind of things like Cain's altar. Lord, we came to have fellowship with you. And your word said, sacrifice a lamb. It doesn't look so pretty. Abel's lamb was not pretty. But Lord, we're just doing as you asked us to do. As your word has spoken to us today, we say, yes, Lord, be it unto me. Be it unto me, Lord. Consume, oh Lord, with the fire, the fire of your spirit. Consume.